Hello and welcome to the Dive Deep, Climb High podcast. I'm Mel Luizu and together with my guests, we explore all different aspects of leadership in higher education. With inspiring stories, practical tips and a little bit of fishiness, this show will help you dive deep into the leader you are and climb high, unleashing your power and potential. Dive deep, climb high, can-do leadership in a world of can't. Hello and welcome back if you're a regular listener to the show. A very warm welcome if you're joining us for the first time. This podcast has been created to help leaders in higher education. My aim is to create a community that can learn and grow together. To do this, I need your help. The more people that download, subscribe, rate and review this show, the more the podcast algorithms will ensure it pops up across the globe. I love the community we are creating and together with your help, we can encourage even more people to join us. Today, we're going to be diving deep into the world of limiting beliefs. What they are, and how we can overcome them to ensure they are not holding us back at work or at home. Now, it may not feel like it, but limiting beliefs are something we all have. The difference is how we choose to deal with them. My guest today is somewhat of an expert in this field. As a master executive coach, he has written four best-selling books and has a wide variety of clients, from SMEs to charities and elite athletes. He's also been a university guest lecturer. This is going to be a truly fascinating conversation you aren't going to want to miss. So please welcome Jeremy Lazarus. Jeremy, hello. Hi, Mel. How are you? I am very well. How are you? Really good. Thank you. Really good. So pleased that you're here today talking about this huge topic, and we're only going to be scratching the surface of it, but one that affects us all. Before we dive into that, it would be really good to hear a little bit about your career journey and how you've ended up in this space. Well, I actually was an accountant, so people may hopefully not going to be sort of switched off by that. I was, you know, I saw the light, but I spent 18 years in the world of finance. I worked in the city of London for six years. Uh, I worked as a consultant with Ernst & Young. I was a treasury manager and group chief accountant at Unigate for a dairy company. I was finance director of Yosushi in the early days. And it's a long story, but basically one day in 1999, I quit my job. Why? Primarily because I wanted to make a difference. For me, the numbers that you'd see in a you know, balance sheet or profit and loss account are a reflection of the people. And although I didn't have the words at the time, it, I guess what I was being asked to do at times didn't fit with my values. And so from that point, 1999, I've just been coaching and training people. I love it. I'm, I'm blessed. I do what I love, love what I do. I, and I, as you mentioned, I work with all sorts of organizations, individuals, as, and as well as coaching them, I train them to become coaches as well. And also... I'm actually a master trainer of something called neuro-linguistic programming. So I teach NLP and that's it. So I love what I do. Brilliant. So I'm just wondering, was there something specific that happened to you yeah. that caused you to make <laughs> that transition? There were a few. I mean, I'll try and keep it as brief as I can. So in 1997, I 
went on a personal development course. And it, it was my first sort of main foray into this whole field of personal development. And, and I loved it. And for about a year and a half, I almost had two parallel lives, you know, during the day I'm there in my suit and tie being a finance director or a senior finance person. And evenings and weekends, I'm doing coaching and training and learning and loving it. And then there were certain things, which I don't want to say publicly, but something happened when I was finance director of Yosushi, which made me realize I could never work in that field. I just didn't want to do it. I knew I had to be. And as luck or the universe would have it, one of my fellow sort of co-directors also knew someone who was at the time an eminent coach. And he put me in touch with her. And I said to her, you know, I'd like to find out about coaching. And we had a conversation. She said, okay, let's see what you're made of. Give me some coaching. Wow. She made a massive difference in my life. Her name's Eileen Mulligan. I'll always be grateful to her. So for an hour, I coached her and she said, that was great. 10 out of 10, I want you to be my coach. And I was gobsmacked. And basically, we swapped around. She then coached me to set up my own coaching business. And the next day, I quit my job. Fantastic. And set up my own coaching business. So that was it, basically. Love it. Love it. So when did you start to explore limiting beliefs? And actually, I guess we all have our own definition of what a limiting belief is. What is your definition? of Two questions in one, which probably wasn't a good thing to do. But there you go. I know what you mean, Mo. So look, let's talk about beliefs. So the way I see it, beliefs are our our thinking, our ideas, our opinions about either ourselves, other people, or the world around us. And beliefs can either empower us or disempower. And just a thought here, what other people call beliefs, we call opinions. But when we have a belief, it's the truth. It's the way things are, right? So empowering beliefs, great. They they can help us to achieve more and, and, and have more of what we want disempowering beliefs or limiting beliefs prevent us from being doing and having what we want to be do and have so that's the way i think of limiting beliefs they stop us from being as fulfilled as we would like to be yeah and i love that nuance and i think that is really interesting it's something i've heard and i will go away and reflect on but actually when i have a belief it is a belief but actually when somebody else has it it's an opinion. The thing is, when you have it, it's the truth because you think it's the way things are. Yeah. And you know, examples of limiting beliefs that people have, it could be anything from, I'm stupid, I don't deserve to succeed. People from my background don't succeed in life. Or other people, it could be other people are out to get me. You can't trust certain people. The world's a dangerous place. Everyone's out to get you. All those kind of beliefs. Of course, some people might be out to get you, but that doesn't mean everyone is. Mm. So it's sometimes one of the ways we can help someone change belief is to really challenge it and investigate it. I'll talk a bit more about that later. But in a nutshell, those are my definitions of beliefs, how I became interested. I I guess from my personal development days, the early days, I noticed how some people had thoughts about themselves or the way things were. And I thought, really, how could you believe that? That's ridiculous. And this is when I was sort of in my early days. But then I got to realise that we've all got some belief which in some way holds us back. And it may be your limited beliefs, maybe between from mine or, or some of the listeners. And I think to be able to respect that people do have a limited belief and then to work with that. Mm. And the more I did this kind of work, I saw the impact, the detrimental impact of limited beliefs, but also the transformation impact when those limiting beliefs were changed. And that's what really inspires me. Mm. The fact that people can move beyond what they think they can do. 
and some cases far beyond what they think they can do. And that really, as I said, it inspires me in the work I do. Absolutely. And with the clients that you've worked with and the coaching clients that you've had, is there or are there a number of recurring limiting beliefs that you see coming up time and time again? Um, Often it's around deserving. So at a deep level, you know, does someone deserve to have the success they want? Do they think they're good enough that they deserve it? And sometimes it can be around, are they intelligent enough or smart enough? Mm. Also, I've seen quite a bit about people's background. I'll I'll never forget. I ran a training course and there was a guy who came from Dagenham, which is not a million miles where I came from. Dagenham, people who don't know, is an area in in East London. I don't like using this term, but it would be called, and I'm putting in bloody commas here, a working class area. And he said during the course, I think the easiest that was, boys from my background don't succeed. Boys from Dagenham don't succeed. Mm-hmm. And to go through life with that kind of clearly a limiting belief, and he's a very smart guy, and I think a very accomplished mm-hmm. guy, but in his mind, he couldn't get to where he wanted to get to because boys from my background don't succeed. Mm-hmm. And you know, to be able to challenge and work with that is privilege to be able to do this. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So before we get on to some of the ways that we can challenge some of those really common ones, and if you're you're leading and managing a team yeah. and you have that sort of coaching approach, what you can do, can you share a little bit about, from everything that you've learned, where these beliefs come from? And I know that's deep psychological. Yeah. We can't go into all of that, but I think it might be interesting. I mean, ultimately, it's people's experiences but also how they interpret those experiences. So, for example, using using an example that I mentioned before, somebody could have come from Dagenham and he believes that he couldn't succeed because of all the messages he received from his parents. Often it comes from your parents, guardians, people who are close to you. So that's quite common. Or from teachers, for example. Teachers telling you when you're four, five, six years old and you're stupid or you can't do this or you're not very good at that. So often it's from people relatively close to you. And it can also be from things like the media. You know, I think in the media has changed over the years. So we know so much social media, for example. So people are bombarded with all sorts of images and information. But primarily it's the people around them in the media. And of course, sometimes people see that and they may think, you know what? Just because I'm from Dagenham doesn't mean I'm good. I'll show them. So it can have the opposite effect. Mm. But it doesn't answer your question, but in terms of it's often it's the people close and the messages that are just kind of, drilled into you when you're you know three four five six seven years old it absolutely does and it is as as i said at the beginning it's then how we choose to use that because we we can internalize it and use it to beat ourselves up and it's just a constant recurring theme or we can in some instances go i'm absolutely going to prove you wrong and you do everything in your power to go so it is really i mean that's why it's fascinating that's why we love the work that we do as coaches Yeah. And there's a third group of people who think, you know what, I know I know something's not the way I want, but I'm going to get some help. Mm. So they'll go to someone like you, me, or the thousands of other coaches. And in some cases, psychotherapists, if someone's got really deep-seated limiting beliefs that are going to require psychotherapy or counselling, then, then fine, see a professional from that field. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get into the nitty gritty then. Come on then, let's go. How can we <laughs> overcome or at least deal with some of these limiting beliefs? Okay, well, I've got a list here about 16 or 17 ways 
that I cover on my, I've got a course, which is called Clearing Limiting Beliefs. So let me go through some of the ones that I think are powerful and relatively easy to use that people you know, don't need necessarily a whole load of training to do. The one I want to look at initially is counterexamples. In other words, ask the person who's got the limited belief, or if it's yourself, ask yourself, where has this not been true? So, for example, if we if we go back to the, you know, the boy from Dagenham, to find out people who are from that background, from that area, who have succeeded. There's one specific example that um, fits in my mind. So I was working with a client many years ago, and she was a director of a management consultancy. And to be a director of a consultancy, you, you know, you've got to be pretty successful, pretty smart. And she had a belief that she couldn't sell to big clients. Now, again, I know from my experience as a, as a consultant that to be a director of a consultancy, you've got to be able to sell to big clients. So I said to her, okay, give me just one example of a big client you've sold to. And she paused for a moment, and then she came up with a name. I said, okay, give me another one. She paused and gave me another name. Carried on. After five, she said, okay, I've got it, I've got it. But I've been a bit cheeky, I carried on. I said, well, give me another one. When we got to 10, she almost threatened to hit me. Not literally, but she was getting a bit annoyed. The point was, there were so many counterexamples that she could no longer believe what she previously believed mm. it could not be true so i think one really useful way just to summarize is to find sufficient counterexamples yeah okay okay so that's why any questions on that before i move on to another one no so it's like if you were sat with a member of your team and they said i just can't do that then you ask for examples where you can do that well, well, could... or where you have done in the past yes now leading on from that you could sort of change it so you mean you haven't learned how to do it yet you can't do it yet that one word yet opens a door of possibility yep and then that can lead on to okay who else do you know who has done this who has learned to do it for example someone who's in a similar situation to you how do you think they do it maybe you could ask them to go and have a coffee with that person find out you know pick their brains for example or just at least to think well, if someone else could do it, at least it's possible for me to do it. Now, whether they want to do it is another issue. Mm. So that three-letter word, yet, can be very powerful. Okay. All right. So we've got finding counterexamples and using yet. You can't do that yet. Yeah. Oh, you haven't learned yet. And then link to that to find someone who has learned how to do it. Yep. Someone who is in a similar situation. What have they done? So... In NLP, we call it modeling. You know, in English, we call it replicating, replicate someone else's excellence and someone else's um, success pathway, if you like. Fantastic. Want some more? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, so another one is you could literally ask them, how do you know? How do you know you can't do it? Mm. Now, again, with, with all of these, as I'm going through, please apply common sense with all of them. Someone says, I can't fly like a bird. Well, yeah, how do you know? Okay, let me go and try it. No, that's not a good idea. Let's use common sense here. Um, but sometimes just checking, how do they actually know? Maybe they've tried it once, it didn't work. Mm. And they decide, oh, I can't do it. And linked to that, another way is to help someone to increase their capabilities. So ask them what capabilities would, would they need in order to be able to do X, Y, Z. And then to break it down into, okay, so what's the first step? What's the next step? What's the next step? So we're using clearing limiting belief techniques, but also coaching techniques to help take someone from where they are to where they want to be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
And I think that's a really interesting example. I'm smiling because I'm thinking about something that I'm planning to do. Because when I was at school, I remember my parents went in for parents' evening and was told, even though I tried really hard, I couldn't do art. You know, I got a D or whatever. And that has stayed with me. And it's only now in the last couple of years that, you know, talking to my friends who are in, very creative in that field, and they said, everyone can do it now. So me being a little bit of a so-and-so, I'm like, right, I'm going back. I don't care whether I've got the capability of a five-year-old, but I have the ability to improve and I'm going to do it because I think that, you know, in some ways that belief will have held me back in other areas. And actually I want to prove to myself that what that teacher said is not correct. So as an aside, I think education is the most important thing on the planet. I know a lot of your listeners are from the education field. And I can tell you that I've had a lot of people, clients and people from my courses who have had limiting beliefs inadvertently installed by teachers. So I think as teachers, educators, should we say, and I'm an educator myself, as educators, I think we owe it to the people we're educating to really think carefully about the kind of messages we're giving them. I 100% agree with you. And that's probably another podcast conversation because we're on the same page. Totally. Good, good, good. good. You know, I, I remember when I was at school, this stuck with me. I was nine years old. And we had a teacher, I'm not going to mention her name. She was asking people what they wanted to do when they grew up. I know you're a nine-year-old kid and people were saying whatever it was. And there was a kid I remember next to me said, I want to be this jockey. And she said, oh, I don't think you've got the personality for that. Could you imagine? I mean, a nine-year-old kid. And I'm sure that a lot of the teachers listening think, oh, that's terrible. I would never do that. Well, they may not, but they may have some colleagues who do. Mm. So I think, we, as I say, we owe it to, our, to the children, next generation, to empower them rather than disempower. Absolutely. So, ready for some more? Absolutely. Okay. Um, one which could be, again, very useful is, you know, we, people say we can learn from the past, but we can also learn from the future. So what we can do is ask the person to imagine three months, six months, a year, two years, get them to pick a time to a point where they have been able to overcome this. And then going into the future self to give advice to the younger self about what to do or how to overcome it. Yeah. And again, this is not for everyone, but it can be very powerful because as a coach, you know, I don't have to do very much. The advice should always come from a client anyway, but this really does come from the client and they can't argue with their own advice. Yeah. Okay. I love that one. It's a great technique. And it's one that I think that if you haven't done it before, it can feel a little bit uncomfortable when you do do it, but actually doing it and getting people as well. Would you agree that actually getting people to move from where they are to their future as well? So they're physically moving and looking back. That can be really helpful as well, the physicality of moving. Everyone can imagine they've got like a concept of a timeline. Mm -hmm. So you imagine a timeline with the past, one side, future, one's the other side and then now in the you know in front of them and they just go into the timeline and move into the future mm. look back at themselves so that works really well and as i say i've done this many clients sometimes people seem a little bit skeptical but i always do it and they always get results from it yeah um and talking about looking from different perspectives there's a technique from nlp it's called perceptual positions in other words seeing different perspectives often people only see their own perspective And there are at least three perspectives in every situation. There's yours, there's the other person or persons, and there's a neutral observer. 
or the truth that's somewhere in the middle. And to be able to help the client or the person you're working with to put themselves in different shoes, if you like, different positions can be really helpful. Let me give you an example. So several years ago, I was working with a lady who the previous year had attempted to swim the English Channel. Okay, that's about, uh, I think, 21 miles. And she only did 17 miles, Mel. Only. She only did 17 miles. I mean, I could do 25 yards, I think, up that mile. She only did 17 miles. And she said, oh, last year I failed. And this year, if I don't succeed, I'm a failure. Okay, so some pretty heavy duty limiting beliefs in being indicated there. So what I said, said to her, and using perceptual positions, I said to her, so I want you to imagine over there is a lady who last year had attempted to do something which is incredibly difficult. Very few people have done. She almost did it, didn't quite succeed, and yet is, is determined to do it, and she's worked really hard, and she's going to go for it again. What would you think about that woman over there? So basically what I did was I took her to a neutral position, seeing herself, and she said, well, I think that woman's amazing. I think she's fantastic. I'd really admire and respect her. I mean, she's really courageous. I said, well, that's you. So in her own perspective, she was, inverted commas, a failure. But when she stepped out of herself and saw herself as other people would see her, mm. she realized how amazing a, a, a woman, a human being, she really is. Whether she succeeded or not, just to go for that level of challenge and undertaking. And she's a, an ordinary you know, person in many respects. What an amazing person. And she actually managed to do it. Yeah. And what was really interesting was, um, if I made them, so the world record, I think, is about seven hours. It took her 20 hours. And what happened, apparently, was that the last... 400 meters took her an hour wow because the, the tides had changed and and she said um that they, when they saw the channel they have like a little boat that goes alongside to you know for safety and for food and all that kind of stuff and they wanted her to come out because the french trawlers were, were starting their work and they with the nets obviously could be dangerous and i won't use the expletives that she used but basically she told the boat in no uncertain terms that she was going to carry on to me that's totally inspiring absolutely and I'm not taking glory. She did it all. Maybe I'd like to think I helped just a small amount to change, to reframe the limiting belief. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think perceptual positions, it's one of my favourites that I use with my clients because it really, really can help people, well, take a different perspective, yeah. but shift their mindset because yes. we get so, so entrenched. And I think it's especially useful in a work situation if there is somebody where actually you formed your opinion even before you've gone into a conversation with yeah. them and then to take on that other view, well, how are they seeing it? You know, it's hugely, hugely powerful. This episode is packed with so much good stuff. So one more. What is your last one? One more. Okay. All right. The mindset for success. And this is something I'll try to touch on a little bit later. But basically, I think on, on the podcast you've had before, you've had someone talking about the growth mindset. Absolutely. It kind of links to that, where you've got the attitude of, no matter what has happened to me, I have choice about how I respond to it. And 
in the NLP world, you know, we call it being at cause, but this, you call it whatever you want, call it the growth mindset. It's having the recognition that I can choose how I, re- I respond to any given set of circumstances. So I may not have succeeded. I may, going back to the example I used earlier, I may be from Dagenham. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty close to that, actually. Or, you know, I was brought up close there. It doesn't matter. I can choose how I live my life. People can tell me I'm stupid. As a personal story. So one of the things I did, I played football semi-professionally. I mean, I was, I think, 11. One of the teachers said, you'll never make a goalkeeper. And I could have let that crush me. But in my mind, I thought, well, I won't tell you the exact words, but um, I thought, I'll show you. Mm. So we all have choice about how we respond to the circumstances. So if someone, you know, does have a limiting belief, they've got the choice at least of going to a counsellor or a psychotherapist or a coach. Or they can say, you know, even though I'm not sure I can do it, there are doubts, I'm going to go for it. Yeah. And it comes back to that that really important mantra, which is you can't change the situation, but you can change how you respond to it. I, and you can change the way you perceive it. Mm. One of my mentors, someone I really look up to, is a guy called Dr. John Demartini. He was featured in the film The Secret. He's, he's an absolute genius. And one of the things he says is that there's only three things people can change their perceptions, their decisions, and their actions. So the circumstances of the circumstances. My teacher told me I was stupid or I would never make a goalkeeper. Fine, that's what he said. I can choose what I deal with that, you know, how I deal with that and what I do with it. Absolutely. Brilliant. So if people want to know the other, I can't, I've lost count, probably 10 or 11 that we haven't covered, they need to go on your course, for sure. Absolutely, yeah. Or they can buy the video. (laughs) Or they can buy the video. Yeah. And all of this will go in the show notes. So when have you had to dive deep and what impact did that have on you? Um, I mean, many times. I think, you know, I, as I alluded to before, to play football semi-professionally, you, you can't see me this on the podcast. I was a goalkeeper. I'm five foot nine and a half. And when I played football, I weighed 11 stones, 70 kilograms. That is not the typical build for a goalkeeper, believe me. I didn't train at professional clubs when I was younger so I had to really really work at it it's something I had to really dig deep to challenge myself you know the first time I ever played at that level I actually got paid to play it was at a stadium and I had a program and I saw my name and I got butterflies I was really nervous but I just kept at it other times um on a very personal note in about 2005 I had the breakup of romantic relationship which I, I thought would last you know, forever and towards the end of that relationship you know I really didn't pay attention to my business my business really went downhill and within 18 months my first book was published mm. because I had to dig deep to get myself back on track and I guess reacquaint myself with my passion to do this work and my drive and my, my desire to make a difference on the planet um and there are many other examples, but does that give you a flavour? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing those. And as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, working with you as a coach, you've obviously been through so many things in your life that provide empathy, but also provide that ability to show that actually the human potential is yeah. is off the scale and nobody should ever forget that and nobody should be put in a box that says you failure you can't do it yeah yeah and also i think i know it's going to be linked to one of the questions you're going to raise in a minute but 
you wouldn't expect a cat to be able to swim and you wouldn't necessarily expect a fish to be able to climb trees. Okay. And I think each of us are born with a unique set of talents and gifts. And I just think let's be ourselves. Let's not live by other people's standards and other people's assessments. Let's let's create our own rules. Obviously, within the, the bounds of you know the legality, etc. But let's make, you know, let, let's live the what life the way we want to. I love that. Absolutely love that. And going back to that, <laughs> when have you felt like a fish that climbed a tree? <laughs> okay. Playing football, you know, if you if you saw me, it, it would be unheard of for someone of my sort of build to play football in gold semi-professionally. I think my first book uh, as well, writing that, I never thought I'd be able to write a book. Um, I've appeared on, on TV and radio. And again, this was not for an accountant. I'm also corporate treasurer. Uh, and I was looking, when I was at Unigo, looking for corporate treasury roles. And I remember going for an interview and I the interviewer afterwards said, we haven't got the job because you're not very tall, so you don't have much gravitas. And that kind of knocked me back a little bit. And it comes back to what I said before. I was not right for that field. Just because I was good with numbers doesn't mean I was right for that. I know I'm right for this field. And it's not me saying other people have said to me that I've got an element of gravitas and charisma. It's because I'm doing what I love doing. Being a corporate treasurer, I was reasonably good at it, but it wasn't my passion. Mm. This is. Yeah. So I've climbed I've climbed trees to be doing this kind of work, including doing podcasts and webinars with this kind of stuff. Fantastic. I love that. Do what you love so that you can be a fish that climbed a tree. Love that. Love that. I might have to nick that. Please do. Please do. So fascinating conversation packed with loads of useful tips for people. How can people get in touch, find out more, book onto your courses? Well, fortunately, I have one of these names, so there aren't too many of us. So Jeremy Lazarus, even if they Google Jeremy Lazarus, my, my company is called The Lazarus Consultancy. The website is thelazarus.com. That's L-A-Z-A-R-U-S. So go on there. There's courses and um, books, etc. They can drop me an email, jeremy at thelazarus.com. I'm on LinkedIn as well. Those are probably the, the best ways to get in touch with me. Yeah. Uh, my books are available from my website or on Amazon. Certainly people can look on Amazon for, for my books. Um yeah brilliant i will put all those links in the show notes for people i'm sure people will reach out to you it just leaves me to say a massive massive thank you i really had to curb myself because i could have gone on for hours love limiting beliefs well i don't love them but the work that that comes from them is amazing so just leaves me to ask you one final question what words of wisdom would you like to leave people with today people could be more successful than they think Just go for it. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Dive Deep, Climb High podcast with me, Mel Luizu. To help build our community of leadership listeners, please leave me an Apple podcast five-star review. Remember, our fishy adventure doesn't have to end here. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram and Twitter. Links are in the show notes. Dive deep, climb high, can do leadership in a world of can't.